I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Your baby is just as healthy as can be. And offer it. The handmaid as well, too. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode drops at SBS and at SBS On Demand and we hope you agree. Now, we've just watched episode five, which is called Seeds, and this week June is on autopilot, giving blank stares and appearing for all intents and purposes a dutiful handmaid. Nick's efforts to reach out don't go unnoticed by others in the Waterford household, however, and the excitement about the growing baby triggers a new level of spite within the Commander and Serena. Some spotting sets off a terrifying day for Offred as she faces the prospect of losing her baby and possibly her life for a few reasons. All right, let's get into it. I'm Fiona Williams and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Sana Kadar, journalist at SBS, Hi. and Natalie Hambly, co-managing editor of SBS Life. Hi. Hello. So, Sana, immediate thoughts, please. So, in this episode, I think Serena was not quite a joy to watch. See what I did there? Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, she was fascinating to watch, and I think this woman is ready to blow soon. Yep. Yeah. And Natalie? My thing is, I was actually surprised, but this is my favourite sort of episode because it's set in the commander's house and it's all their weird personalities all rubbing up against one <laughs> another in you know crazy, crazy ways. And so I just really love that. Yeah, that's where it really comes out, isn't it? This is where all the, the minor moments that... Speak volumes, yes, really. exactly. Yeah. And Aunt Lydia is still hanging around like a bad smell at the Waterford <laughs> residence. Yeah, that is so fascinating. Yeah. Like her relationship between, like the one between Aunt Lydia and Serena. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's getting tense. I do enjoy that. And Serena, the fixation on the fact that Aunt Lydia can use a pencil. Yeah. Like, yes. She's a woman who can write and yes. read and it's allowed. And did anyone notice sort of how that sort of sequence early on was shot? There was a lot of high angle mm. versus low angle shots. And I think it was kind of communicating who sits where in the hierarchy because totally. Aunt Lydia was shot from below. So we're looking up at her. She's looking down at us. And Serena was, we're looking down at her. Yeah. So Aunt Lydia oh, wow. is a above Serena in this world. And then mm. we saw Commander Waterford come down the stairs afterwards above Aunt Lydia. Yeah. You know, the whole thing folded that way. I guess way. that's yeah. interesting because Aunt Lydia actually has a role in this administration, if you want to call it that. And Serena had a role and she doesn't have one anymore. And I thought it was really interesting when she was going for her walk with June mm. and she bumps into the other wife who was now a mother. And there were some snide remarks about her little baby shower. And I thought, this must really be so annoying for Serena, for someone who was on the 
political stage, who was writing books, who was drafting laws. And her life now, she has nothing in it. She has nothing going on. She has a really tense breakfast with her husband who kind of ignores her. She's trying and to make small talk. This is where the talk. rage yeah. is coming from. It's the most boring small talk in the world. And <laughs> instead she's left to deal with this sort of like petty stuff with the other wives and then she gets to come home and have Aunt Lydia has this power and Serena doesn't really have any at all. And I thought, how far she has fallen. How and bored she And the wives always be. seem to be in pairs, I think. And Serena's never really got. Where's her friend? She has yeah, no true. friends. She has no she's friends. With Gil- oh, she's yeah. not Gilead. She's with um, Offred. And maybe that's why she's so annoyed that Offred's no longer sparring with her. I mean, she wanted Offred to be meek and weak. Yeah. And now she's got that handmaid mm-hmm. and she's hating it. Yeah. I love that she says, what's the matter with you? Oh <laughs> so where do you want to start, lady? <laughs> How long have you got? The lack of empathy is absolutely <laughs> amazing, yeah. isn't it? It's like, yeah. how can you expect her to talk to you? Like, do you but not is have she any the closest concept? thing she has to a really twisted kind of friendship? Yeah. Because and there's an intimacy there, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they do hug in bed at night, you know? Yeah. Like the last <laughs> it's a creepy intimacy, but it's something more so than what she has with the other wives, which is all platitudes and niceties and, you know, yeah. snide remarks every now and then. I mean, lest it sound like we're feeling sorry for Serena. I actually, in this episode, started to feel sorry for Serena. Mm. And I thought, I mean, you know, she's horrible and evil and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but mm-hmm. God, that would suck to have been the architect of this new world and, you know, had a voice and then to have that taken yeah. away. And I think you're... she's sort of getting her just desserts in mm. her own way. Yeah. Well, the, the coded conversation she has with the commander, like it's boring small talk at first, mm. but then she realises, okay, the way to get to him is to clout. And, and also when there's a Martha present, mm-hmm. you um, speak in code about, mm. oh, Nick's showing an interest in Offred. And that's why, yeah, I, love then, this, that's why I love this episode because they all talk in code to mm. each other. Nothing is straightforward and nothing is clear. And there were multiple characters reaching out to one another in that house and it didn't work out for any of them. So like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So like Nick reached out to Serena because he wanted to get help for June and yeah. like nothing happened there. And you had Serena reaching out to her husband and nothing <laughs> happened there. Nowhere. And then you had Rita reaching out to June, yeah. not once but twice, yeah. and that didn't work out either. And it's like everyone is trying to communicate Everyone's with so each lonely. other. But they're, they're, all, they're all just so diabolical really <laughs> and the situation they're in is just so crazy. And what I find funny about this is this house is like – it's this house of madness, and they've now introduced a new character yeah. into it. Oh, that poor girl. Like, An impressionable young girl, yeah. child bride. And from the outside, it looks perfect. It's a beautiful garden, and then when you come inside, the house looks immaculate. And even how they're living their life, it all looks fine. It's sort of ticking all the boxes. Husband and wife have a lovely breakfast together. It's just that once you scratch away at that surface and you realise how pretending. awful it is. pretending. They're all pretending, and you can't mm. carry on that way forever. Yeah, but also once you're inside, there's no natural light. Like, it's a very dark house, and it's very compartmentalised. Like, this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you get to June's room, but it's <laughs> like up some stairs and down some stairs and around the corner, and yeah. And you got a sense of... Serena's sort of sadness a bit when she was speaking to the new wife and saying, do you know what to expect tonight? Does your mother tell you? And, you know, lust between a husband and wife can bring closeness. At least it's meant to. Yeah, you can enjoy it too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. But no one in this world... Well, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of fascinated because she wants to be a mother so badly, like so very, very badly to the point that she treats June the way that she does. But she now has this young girl in her house who clearly needs some mothering because she is so shockingly young. Yeah. I thought, is she up to the task? Mm. Is she actually going to take on a mother role for her or is it going to be another wife in competition? So, yeah, I'm curious to see how this one goes. Yeah. 
And coupled with Serena, I mean, the commander here has a few moments as well. Like he looks to Nick at the first mention of the baby's father. The baby's mm-hmm. going to look like its father and doink, he knows. <laughs> it's Nick's. Um, of course he does. And so then all of a sudden this surprise wedding ceremony that happens, this uh, celebrate the guardians and give them and all And don't forget initially Commander Waterford brides. tried to get rid of Nick and get him reassigned to Correct. Washington, D.C. I, I really kind of love how he tries to exert power and... He always fails. Yeah. He always gets put back in his place. <laughs> so he's trying to get rid of Nick. And I assume his boss just absolutely hates him. <laughs> yeah, he's not impressed by yeah. it. And you'll notice his boss is often shot in low angles. So we're looking up at boss mm. man who's God in this world. He was the guy that saved Nick. Yeah, he yeah. came into the job centre so, originally. Yeah, so he already knows Nick. He already has a background with Nick. So I think Nick is, he's not the commander's ally. He's the commander's boss's ally. So I don't think the commander's boss wants Nick to be removed. So Nick has a level of power within within that house mm. and that he is stationed oh, there and he is not leaving. But clearly the commander had to do something because he wasn't getting his way and he had to fix this problem and he had to get Nick out of his face, basically, and Nick away from his baby. And so he has instead aligned a surprise where he gets to honour Nick for his service. And I thought it was really interesting. I thought, why are Serena and June here? And then when Nick was standing in the middle and and they were all given, all the men that were there to be honoured, were given this case and he opened it up and his face was surprised. And I was thinking, what's in that case? Mm. And I thought... Um, clearly it's not just a medal or a watch or something else you might give (laughs) someone to honour them. Yeah. And then it dawned on me later when all those young girls were brought in and went, oh, he's got wedding rings in there. (laughs) Oh, that's so disturbing. Talk about married at first sight. (laughs) Good Lord. So So I felt really bad for Nick. He did not want to be there. That's not the honour that he would have been expecting because I think the whole thing took him by surprise and he's now in that awful position of he has to now take this bride home. He has to go along with it. He can't not go along with it. Mm. He has to take her home now and there is an absolute expectation that they'll consummate the marriage. And can I just say I am so grateful that events turned and we didn't have to see that because there are some things that like I like yeah. seeing or I think is necessary to see even if it's hard viewing and I really don't I really don't want to see that. No. Mm. We also learn Nick's surname for the first time. Yes, Blaine. Nick Blaine. Nick Blaine. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Straight out of a romance hero. There you go. <laughs> now also in this episode we go back to the colonies. We mm. see Emily and Janine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Janine. Janine, yeah. Janine, Janine. What to do with her? <laughs> yeah. What is going on with her? She was quite, like in the very first episode of season one, when she was made a handmaid, our first um, introduction to her, she was she was quite um, angry. She was full of fire. She, I think she stuck a finger up at Aunt Lydia and that's why she was taken off to have her eye removed. And it's like mm. once she had that eye removed, it was it's like they removed a whole lot more. She's Part been, of her soul, yeah. Yeah, she's been a broken woman ever since. Yeah, and yeah, she doesn't really know what to do there. But she does have faith. She has really strong faith and is saying God has a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, we're Did gonna... she always have faith? Is that Or is that I a result of her broken that. spirit? Now? I think it's a result of her almost dying twice. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, um, true. And then she puts it down to God has actually saved her life twice and there must be a meaning for that. But she's got that sort of newbie look at the colonies where 
she's still seeing brightness and optimism and hope and happiness and there really isn't any there at all but like she somehow finds some flowers growing in the ground which I'm just amazed by and comes up with the idea to give two women one of whom is dying to give them a wedding and so she's finding all this sort of nice positive let's just let's just find the good in this yeah and um as for of Glenn Emily, she is enraged by it. I'm with like, her. I'm with Emily on this. What yeah. are you talking about, girl? You're crazy. This place is horrible and irredeemable. She had this great line where she said, Gilead took your eye and it took my mm. clit. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, that's the first time they really explicitly said that. Mm. And Emily is angry and she is not forgetting and she sees exactly what this is and how hopeless it is and we come here and we die. We come here, we work, we die. Mm. Yeah. Mind you, she does come around at the end and see the benefit of having had the ceremony, sort of when that woman does pass away. She does say, you know... that It was a beautiful wedding. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a beautiful wedding. And, I mean, you know, of course, also seeing two women get married, Emily was married and her marriage was declared null and void, you know, and they had to go their separate ways. I'm I'm surprised they actually have enough space and and freedom from... They're not aunts, I don't think. They are aunts, Are they aunts? Okay. Worst job for an aunt. (laughs) But they leave them to their devices for long enough that... The women can do what they sort of want and have these ceremonies that are otherwise totally forbidden and ordained by a rabbi who's also very forbidden in Gilead's world. I actually, I thought that too and I thought there was a really, I found it very depressing for that reason. I thought as much as they have some freedom here, the reason why they have freedom is because they're all dying. They yeah. actually have there's no nothing, use. There's no need to control. Yeah. These people yeah. are on their way out. If they run away, yeah. they're in a toxic wasteland anyway, so it'll take a matter of time. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Yeah. And yeah. I had, um, I know that like the book when it was written in the 80s was very much sort of based on real life events and Margaret Atwood had sort of plucked various moments in history and sort of smashed them all together in this book for a book of horror. But the point is that the horrors that are in the book and that are in the show are they are all things that have happened before somewhere. Mm. And I really got that with this episode. Finally seeing the colonies for what it is. And I was like, oh, this is really reminding me of what I know of the killing fields in mm-hmm. Cambodia. And that yeah. happened in the mid to late 70s, which was really for Margaret Atwood when she was writing it, would have been recent history for yeah. her. But people in Cambodia were sent out to the fields to work and to die. And they were also burying each other. Mm. And... Um, and what, and what sort of struck me was sort of the parallels between it is that the Khmer Rouge were actually saving ammunition. They didn't want to waste it on people, so they were actually beating them to death with shovels. And I thought, oh, they've sort of done that here. They are shoveling their way to death. And then, and then they bury each other. And I just went, this is so, this is so dark. This yeah. is just so awful that in some ways I actually was grateful that, thank God, there were a bunch of flowers and that yeah. wedding actually really was and, nice. Yeah, and I right. think, you know, at least there is a tiny bit of joy in what is just absolute pointless misery. Yeah, yeah it needed a couple of dandelion death weeds to just, yeah, lighten it up a little <laughs> bit. So but like, it, The point that I would was. say, like people um, are sort of complaining about the show or finding it hard to watch and they think it's sort of veering into torture porn. Mm. And really, um, when you read real life events... Yeah, I don't I, I don't think it's torture porn yeah, so far anyways. I mean, me either. I think they're actually holding back. I think what happens in real life is so horrifying that I don't think we could handle it if it was shown on TV. Yeah, and I mean, you brought up Game of Thrones before. It's, from what I know, of it that you know that's absolutely so well, excessive exactly. in the 
the violence yeah. as well. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know there's commentary about that as well. But but here it does seem people have called this torture porn. I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I think it's I think this psychological. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess that brings the next point with June's story in in this episode where you know she has some spotting and it's you know looking going down the path of miscarriage. So what did she actually want? There. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, she was so hard to read in this episode up until the very last moments. Um, yes, because yeah. she was on autopilot you didn't know where for the she start stood. of it. Yeah, but then when there's blood, and then there's a hell of a lot more blood, and yeah, she hasn't told anyone. She hasn't asked for her um, napkins, as they call it. You don't know where, what she's thinking because, yeah, she loses this baby. She loses a lot, you know, that, but also a lot more. Well, because her own life is in danger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not just the baby's life is in danger if she's um, miscarrying. Her own life could be in danger as well and she just sort of went with it, you know. Like mm. She just sort of quietly let it happen and I thought, oh, she's not... She should be saving both of them and she really isn't at all. Yeah, so it was a, quite a surprise at the end when she has that whole chat to her baby and promising yeah. she's going to get her out or him or her out. Yes, what did that mean? Yeah. <laughs> what she got planned next. She yes. hasn't been able to get herself out. How she can, how can she, oh, Hannah. But it was totally unexpected <laughs> because yeah. she was yes. saying nothing as she was bleeding and she was just sort of vacant throughout it all. And I was like, oh, she still has some fight in her. Thank God. Well, but yes, she, because when she said, I am going to get you out of here. And I thought, do you mean Gilead or your womb? Like, I'm really <laughs> not sure what you meant there. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I took it to mean Gilead. Yeah, I, thought I took it <laughs> I to hope, mean I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I took kind of these scenes to be like a, a bloodletting almost of like June was forced out of her last episode, as we know, and she was made to remade as good, obedient Offred. But clearly, you know, in a dramatic way, her body's rejecting that. And it, I'm not a doctor and I'm not suggesting this is a physical, you know, actual thing. But, you know, in, in terms of the story, it was this kind of big bloodletting moment of showing so much blood and then having her renewed at the end where the baby the baby is okay so we've got another it's a reset kind of thing and now she's back to being June there's a bit more fight in her at the end there so so question about how Nick found her what was, yeah yes that's what I was wondering well, how, how did she end up on the ground there? we last saw her leaning against the window mm. but I thought those were all you know to avoid any handmade suicides and stuff yes. they couldn't open yes no I, I, I don't know either I was going to ask okay, you guys good. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking did I miss something I actually like rewound same, it and went same. back to go, how did she get there? Did she fall out of a window? Did she jump out of a window? Was she just wandering around yeah. outside and yeah. collapsed? And how did, how did Nick How did he see her? her? Yeah. He had to look up and run up and look through the grates there. Yeah. Must have sensed it. The picture of her was sort of like lying. She was in like her white underwear and she is lying outside. And, and like the pictures, even when they're dark in the show, they're still always beautiful to look at. Yeah. But it was a bit like, I was thinking, what does this remind me of? And it's a bit like a Bonkers and Getty's portrait. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is like, the baby's in the pot plants. <laughs> yeah, because like yeah. here she is, she's pregnant and she's outside with Mother Nature, except like... It's raining. It's raining. There's like... There's like no flowers, I don't think. I think it was all sort of like greenery. And I just thought, oh, this is like this is like a beautiful image just gone wrong. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. But yeah, so we've Nick finds her, cradles her, and clearly gets her to a hospital for, for some treatment. And interestingly, with Aunt Lydia earlier, she was coming to the house so much for the checkups because they don't trust the doctors at the moment because that's how June got out in the first place. Remember, yeah, it was through a right, checkup yeah. that she um, and Aunt Lydia alludes to that. But clearly now, mm-hmm. that with this kind of seriousness, she's she's been sent to the hospital. So, Do you know what that reminds me, actually? Aunt Lydia with her book and her pencil, we see her handling that and Serena's not too thrilled with that. And every time we see Commander Waterford in this episode, he's got his laptop with him. Mm, yes. So they're both very much 
showing Serena what she cannot have and what she cannot engage in. Yeah. And it's like a constant visual power play. Yeah. It was funny how one was so old school and the other is so modern. Yeah. yeah. Like the like the sound of the pencil scratching onto the paper. Like it all Who uses just... a pencil anymore yeah. even? <laughs> no, except at, except at Ikea. <laughs> you know? yep. That's it. Um, yeah, and there he was like weirdly had that laptop with him all the time. It, we, it was almost like it was just Serena was being reminded at like every move of what she doesn't have access to. Is there to. a Gilead- Gileadian internet? What is he yeah, doing he was with on his laptop? It. Yeah, or, you know, for commanders only. Yeah. Mm. So, yes, you've got Commander Waterford on his laptop, you've got Aunt Lydia with her pen, and then you've got Nick reading the Corinthians out From of a book. Bible, yeah. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Which, okay, I guess that's the one sort of form of literature allowed for everyone. But anyways, apart from that, Nick reading the Corinthians was so creepy to watch. After mm-hmm. his creepy wedding ceremony. <laughs> yeah, not good. And this is one that's read at a lot of weddings. It's the mm-hmm. love is patient, love is kind, mm-hmm. it does not envy, does not boast. Yeah, that's I think it's a popular one for wedding readings. I do love it how they do this, how they do take things which are quite common and popular in in our society mm-hmm. and But they which use people them. also roll their eyes at yeah. often, you know, let's be honest. Like it's an eye rolling moment often yeah, when that trite. comes up. Yeah. And it is in, in the show as well when he's reading that. It's creepy as well as oh come on. But it was interesting because um as he's reading it where the camera is is actually on the key which the commander is holding because what is that because yeah. the, the Bible is locked up oh. and not everyone is allowed to read it like that is only the commander but I'm wondering that now that Nick is a husband mm. does he now get more privileges than what he had before and I thought it was interesting that when Rita was told to get some champagne to celebrate the wedding mm. June was told to leave because it's husbands and wives only mm. which a sort of means that husbands and wives do get a special level of treatment here, but also was like, June is married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is a wife. Yeah. She should be there. So I think, yeah, the most surprising thing about this episode for me was I ended up feeling sorry for Serena. Who knew? Mm. <laughs> You're breaking my heart. I know. <laughs> and also, the, the you know, the, the wording in this, the passage from the Corinthians, it's uh, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's like that. <laughs> Gilead, that yeah. all of that is happening. Yeah. Yes, yeah. just a little. That is so, that is so true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Now we've recapped this episode. What are we expecting next time? Where does this go? Where are, we've left with June being making promises to her baby that we're not sure she can keep, but she, it's great she's back to be able to at least have the the will to do that. Yeah, some sort of fight next episode, something to, to get us back on the journey out of Gilead, mm. I hope. I'm wondering how this is going to be seen because um, it's interesting that when she escaped last time, the narrative around it now is that she was kidnapped. Yeah, And I'm wondering what Serena is actually feeling towards June. Like, do they know that June suffered this all day and hid it from them? Do they think that June was trying to kill her baby? So I'm I'm not sure what level of punishment is coming to June next episode or whether they will treat her kindly. (laughs) Um, I actually don't know what's going to happen, but it's interesting that in that hospital room she's in, there was that glass wall where she's actually being watched and she wouldn't even be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that's interesting, actually, whether there'll be a punishment coming, because we've seen in real life in certain countries around the world, women have been punished for miscarrying or, you know, Mm -hmm. for something going Mm -hmm. wrong with the pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. that has got very real life attachments to it. Yeah, for sure. And I think Serena's going to come into it more, this minute element of resistance in her and just this frustration. And I think it's welling up, like we say, I think she's going to 
pop one day. Yes, Hello. I think she's got a moment coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and at least more backstory on her, I think, as well, how that got there. I was wondering, maybe when things settle down and June's back in the household, but do you think she's going to get some more invitations to play Scrabble with the commander? Oh, or I think those days passed? are done. Yeah, I think it's gone. He's mm. got what he needed out of her. She's preggers. Because she hasn't yeah. had a one-to-one with him yet since coming back. I'm just no, wondering how that's yeah. going to So happen. considering that he clearly has some needs which aren't being met, I'm now actually a little bit worried about the new wife yeah. that has joined the household. <sighs> oh, that's going to be hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. If anything happens in that capacity, mm-hmm. I think it has to be the commander. I don't think we can see Nick doing that. Yes. Yes, exactly. If Nick's going to stay the nice guy, we all think he is. Dun-dun. Which I hope. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you do. Um <laughs> And probably some more Luke Moira as well. Yeah, uh, we've been to colonies this time. I think we'll yep. probably head back to Canada back next to time. Toronto. Yeah. All right. Well, only one way to find out. <laughs> Till <laughs> next uh, time. Yeah, exactly. Sticking around. <laughs> and uh, so the new episodes premiere on SBS Thursday nights at 8.30 and at SBS On Demand early at 5pm. So be there for that. And we'll be back as soon as that happens. We're doing this every week, every time a new episode drops. If you want to hear some more SBS podcasts, you can uh, subscribe to the Good Fight SBS Fan Podcast, which is a recap of the excellent series The Good Fight. And also we do a movies and TV podcast, The Playlist, which is myself and my colleague Nick Basin. I want to thank my co-hosts, Sana and Natalie. Thank you very much. It's thank been you. fun. Our pleasure. And we love hearing your comments about the show. We've, we've really been heartened by the responses you guys have had to this podcast. So please keep telling us what you think uh, and feel free to leave feedback and give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts from. If you want to reach out on Twitter, you can find me at anything but Fifi. Sana, where can we find you? I'm at Sana underscore Kadar. And I'm at Natalie Hambley. Eyes on Gilead is produced by Dan Barrett and with audio and mixing by Jeremy Wilmot. God's watching over us. Shit job he's doing. Until next time. Don't let the bastards grind you down.